Amen, amen. Hey, grab a seat, and as you do get a Bible in front of you, uh, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, yes, you heard that right. If you attend our church on a regular basis, you know we are months into a walk through the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Um, uh, but there uh, comes a time, and, and hang with me with the uh, sports analogy here, even if you don't have a sports background, but um, uh, I played football, and in football, um, when the quarterback wanted to change the play at the line, you call that an an audible. So if we would have walked up to the line and seen like Pastor Corey over on one side and we were going to run the ball his way, we would have checked at the line and called an audible away from that. And so I I just got to be honest with you, all week long, something wasn't sitting right with this Sunday. Um, It it wasn't you, it was me, I promise. Um, But I, I just like, we were going on to Genesis 13 and 14 and uh, Tuesday afternoon, I'm like, no, 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 we're going to go back to Genesis 12, and there's some things I want to uh, pull out of Genesis 12. So if you actually listen to the first service, you'll hear a sermon out of Genesis 12. You're not going to get a sermon out of Genesis 12, okay? And um, finally, like, we're worshiping in second service, and I'm like, yes! It's when the quarterback audibles out of a bad play call into a play call, and I'm not the quarterback here, but the Spirit of God so clearly was like Romans 5, Romans 5, Romans 5. And so we're going to leave Genesis for next week, and we're going to walk together through Romans chapter 5. You with me on that? And you got to give me grace here. I'm going to build the outline as we go. Is that cool with you? We're going to build it. This is going to be a workshop, a working sermon here today. We're going to build it as we go, but I, I do want you to understand something. We aren't totally setting Genesis on the shelf to turn to Romans. What you need to understand about all of the Bible is how cohesive all of it works together. Romans helps us understand Genesis. Genesis helps us understand Romans. God is writing a beautiful redemptive story in which all of his word is unpacking this story. But, but why, as we were worshiping, I felt so strongly we needed to spend our time in the book of Romans today is because in Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to take us into a little bit of Romans chapter six we, 6, we need to do some things today. There, there are people in the room today who, for the first time, need to believe the good news gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us in the room today need to rejoice over the gospel All of us need to understand how does the gospel inform us for how we are supposed to live now that we believe in this Lord Jesus Christ. And all of us need to know the hope that is awaiting us for those who are in Christ. And so we're going to believe the gospel. We're going to rejoice in the gospel. We're going to understand how the gospel informs how we're to live. And we're going to hope together in the gospel. And you know what? I am so sick of 2020. I need some hope this morning. I'm sick of it. And yet, the longing, the sickness of it, doesn't that just show us a longing in our heart for something that's not broken, that's not jacked up, that's perfect and right and exactly how God designed it to be? And yet, here's what we know. You and I are broken. And you and I are jacked up. And all of it stems back to what we've been studying as a church. It began with the very first man and woman who were on this earth. 
And Romans 5 is going to hearken all the way back to the first pages of the Bible and reference Adam and reference the plight we are in because of the sin of Adam and reference the hopelessness we are in. But then Romans 5 is going to say, but then a better Adam came, a greater Adam came, an an Adam who would reverse the curse of this sin. And that greater Adam is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to believe this gospel if you've never believed it. We're going to rejoice in this gospel, all of us. We're going to rejoice in this gospel. We're going to understand how this gospel informs how in the world we're supposed to walk out of church and actually live. And we're going to hope together that when our days here are done and the Lord says, I'm coming to get you, that there's a greater hope awaiting us and assured inheritance in heaven. And so Romans 5, here we come. First service is going to be so confused if you talk to them. You're going to be like, wasn't that message out of Romans 5? They're going to go, what are you talking about, Romans 5? Go listen to that one this week. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all what? Because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. And so right here in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul, the writer of this letter, as he writes to instruct these believers in the city of Rome, he is saying we need to understand something. We need to understand something about our origins. We are broken at the origin level, just as Adam sinned. And so death spread to all men because all sin. There's something that plagues and curses every one of us in this room, and it is called original sin. Our father and our father's father and our father's father, father, all the way back to Adam, because Adam sinned, sin has plagued all of humanity. You and I in this room today, we are broken in our sin, and we are hopeless in our sin. And we are separated from God because of our sin. But then verse 15 says something so beautiful. But the free gift is not like the trespass. And that's where the church says amen. But the free gift is not like the trespass. What do you mean, Paul? For if many died through one man's trespass, Adam... Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. What does this mean? When sin entered the world through the very first act of sin in Adam and Eve, and the curse that came from that sin, it all looked hopeless. It all, like, we looked completely doomed. God would have been perfectly just and right to just wipe us off the face of the earth because of our evil and our wickedness right there. He would have been perfectly just in that. For, for if many died through Adam's sin, here's the good news. There is something more powerful than the curse that came from sin. And that something more powerful than the curse that came from sin is the something called the grace of God. What does it say there? 
Much more have the grace of God, I'm in the middle of 15, and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Do you know that Jesus' grace abounds towards you? No, 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 no. do you know it? Not have you been taught it in a Sunday school class. Not have you always heard that as you've attended church. Not do you have some intellectual belief of it. Do you know in your heart that the free gift of grace offered to you by Jesus Christ, it abounds to you. It abounds over your greatest regrets. It abounds over that season of life you wish you could just take an eraser to and make disappear. It abounds bounds over you're continuing to stumble over the same hurdles you've stumbled now for year after year after you the grace of God abounds to you it abounds to you and I'm listen I am thankful for the abounding nature of the grace of God because daily I am met by the shortcomings in my own life that without his grace, I'm absolutely hopeless. Last night, and again, I didn't plan any of this, so I don't know if any of what I'm going to say is a good idea or not, but I'm just going to say it today. We cool? We cool? Will your grace abound towards me today? Last night, we're doing Bible time at bedtime. And I got like, the twins are just going absolute nuts. My, uh, the three-year-old's doing the three-year-old thing finally the straw that just broke it for me is my five-year-old picked up this wooden block. Like, I'm in the middle, I'm in the middle of reading about the new heaven and the new earth out of the Jesus Storybook Bible, and my five-year-old's chucking blocks of wood at the wall. And I just close the Bible, and I take, Lord, forgive me, I take the Jesus Storybook Bible, and I just flip it back over into their book pile. And all of them are like, I'm like, no, story time is done. It is no, get in your bed. Story time's done. We're done here. This is ridiculous. I'm over here reading about the new heaven and the new earth. You guys are throwing blocks everywhere. I'm just letting you in to the kid's bedroom last night. I'm like, lay in your bed. I'm tucking you in. We are done. And the five-year-old's like, no, no. And I could tell. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I can, you know, it's a bit lighthearted today. I could tell I scared him. I could tell I scared him. It's not every night that dad flips the Jesus storybook Bible back over into the bookshelf. The best part, time out, the best part, one of the two-year-old twins, he disappeared out of the room. Erica told me later, he went down and told on me, dad, dad, book, dad, Trey crying, Trey crying. <laughs> like, if you want to know what family devotions look like, like, Y'all, listen, just keep persevering in family devotions. There are nights it ends up with a Bible thrown across the room, okay? Like, I'm just letting you know. But literally, then, like, you settle down in your heart. I scared my kids. My sin, the anger that welled up, scared, scared them. And so, like, you, you calm down, you sit down, you're like, Case and Trey, you know, Aiden, come back from telling on me, like... Can I just tell you what happened here? Dad got mad. That's what led to dad throwing the book back over by your books. And when dad threw that, did he scare you? Yeah, that was scary. Okay, like that's sin. Daddy's anger sin. There was nothing you guys did that should make me respond with anger like that. 
And it ends with like seeking your kids' forgiveness. But you wake up this morning, listen, you wake up this morning to stand before the church and preach the word of God, knowing you just chucked this Jesus Storybook Bible across the room last night. I'm thankful that the grace of God abounds towards me. And I mean, I, you know, you probably didn't end up with the kids' devotional Bible across the room, but I'm guessing you can look back at your life this week and go, I'm thankful that the grace of God abounds to me. And in the week that's ahead for us, I'm thankful that the grace of God abounds to us. That all of us are plagued inherently, inherently. All of us are plagued with this original sin thing that comes from our earliest forefathers. It's what leads us to do things like I'm talking about last night. Something greater than the curse of that sin has to come and remedy it. Something greater than the curse of that sin has to fix that. And that greater thing is the grace offered to us that abounds in Jesus Christ. Pick it up with me, verse 17. For if, by, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in what? In what? Reign in what? In life. See the, see the, the contrasting picture here that Paul is, is, is pulling out from uh, Adam in the greater Adam, Jesus. Uh, he says, because of the one man, sin abounds. Uh, because of the greater Adam, Jesus, grace abounds. Because of the first Adam, death abounds. Because of the greater Adam, Jesus, life abounds. Because here's what we have to know. Here's what you got to know in this room this morning. Our sin isn't that we just kind of live lives we don't really want to live. It's a bigger deal than that. Our sin is deserving of death. From cover to cover, God is clear in his word that the wages or the penalty of sin is death. For just as, uh, for because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We don't just need to be, um, um, we're not just kind of okay moderately good people who need to be made better because of our sin we are dead and we need to be made alive we need to be given spiritual life and the bible tells us that the only one who can reverse the curse of the death brought in by adam is the lord and savior jesus christ and now you need to understand all that is in verse 17 because it is packed how does Jesus reverse the curse of death ushered in by Adam? How does he do that? We, we, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we all agree that he does that. How does he do that? Look, at, look again at verse 17, uh, the second part of it after the comma. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, so you need to receive the abundance of his grace. Have you received the abundance of his grace? Have you believed on the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to save you from your sin? Have you received the abundance of his grace? The moment we receive the abundance of grace, how do we receive that? Through faith. We are given the free gift of righteousness. The free gift of righteousness 
It reigns in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Let's unpack this and just theologically understand what happens to us the moment we are in Christ. The moment we believe, the moment faith is wrought in our heart, we cross over from being spiritually dead, having, having zero spiritual pulse in our life, and we are given life, and righteousness begins to reign. We are literally covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We are robed in the righteousness of Christ. Uh, God the Father, now that we are in Christ, he sees us robed in the righteousness of Christ. Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sin. He completely pays the penalty for our sin, and he imputes or gives us his righteousness. Come on, y'all. Because you and I know without a Savior, we're not righteous. There's nothing righteous about me. The only righteousness that is wrought in my heart and working its way out is the righteousness given me by Jesus Christ and his spirit at work in my life to produce righteousness. Without him, there's not an ounce of righteousness inside of this man's heart. So, so, where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? All the way back to Genesis through Adam comes sin and death. Through the greater Adam, Jesus, comes, uh, comes grace and comes life. Do we want sin and death or do we want grace and life? Answer me. We want grace and life. We want grace and life. Keep reading. Verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. Here's another one. So through Adam, through Adam, has come uh, sin Through Christ has come grace. Through Adam has come death. Through Christ has come life. Now we're learning another thing that came through Adam. Through Adam, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. Because of our sin, we are condemned as guilty. Because of our sin, we are condemned as guilty. And listen, I know, like, we don't have to talk long until we come to the place where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm guilty before God. Like, often in a coffee shop or whatever, you'll start to share the gospel, and people will be like, I'm really not that bad. Like, I don't need a Savior. I'm really not that bad. And then you just start to ask them some simple questions. I, uh, have you ever lied before? Well, yes, of course, everyone's lied before. Have you ever done that? Of course, everyone's this before. Like, do you know what God calls that? Like, in God's sight, that is complete, like, wickedness. And because of our wickedness, because of our sin, we are condemned. We are condemned as guilty through Adam because, and for, because all of us have sinned from Adam. All of us are condemned in our sin. But here's the good news of it. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. So condemnation comes from sin. The moment we believe in Jesus Christ, we are justified. Someone tell me, what's justified mean? To be declared righteous. In Christ, we move from condemnation, guilty, to justification, declared righteous and innocent because of the blood of Jesus that covers us. Keep reading, 19, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, here it is again, you ready? Where sin increased, grace 
abounded all the more. Amen? Where sin is increasing in our life, the grace of God pursues it to abound all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also reigned through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Y'all, listen to me. We got an option before us. We got an option before us today. We can stay in our original, unredeemed, unrescued state. The state that Adam and Eve have left all of us in where sin abounds, where death is a reality, where we're condemned as guilty. Or through faith, finally saying, I'm done being God of my life. I'm done having to call the shots. I'm done believing that I actually kind of have it all together. I'm done believing that I'm really not that bad. By faith, by believing in Jesus today, We can be rescued, redeemed from sin into grace, from death into life, from condemnation into justification declared righteous in the sight of God. Why would we delay on believing in Jesus one moment longer? What's preventing us in our seats right here from just crying out and saying, okay, I'm done. I surrender. Jesus, your Lord, save me. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit is prompting this in the hearts of the people here today and he's drawing you and he's wooing you and that you will not resist the pulling and tugging of a God who loves you, who's made you and who has sent his son to die for you and redeem you. Why would you delay one moment longer believing in Jesus? So, this is the good news of the gospel. From condemnation to justification. We're to believe this. Believers in the room, we're to rejoice over this. Are you rejoicing yet? We're to rejoice over this. And it should impact now the way we actually walk out of church and live our lives. Pick it up, chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Okay, if this grace thing is this good and it, and it bounds over my sin and it covers all of our sins, so then do we just keep going on sinning and we're like, hey, Lord, thank you for your grace and I, I'm just going to keep living life the way I want to live it and I'm going to keep pursuing sin the way I want to pursue it? And Paul says, by no means. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? That is a big question. How can we who died to sin still live in it? That's important for us, especially in our context. South, you know, South, for the most part, Southsiders, pretty churched area. Many of us in this room, we grew up in church. We know a lot of the answers. We know a lot of the songs. But we have to wrestle with what Paul is getting at here. If we're pointing back to a decision we made at one time in life, but there was no 
change in life direction after that, but we just kept pursuing sin with the same intensity and direction in which we were before that decision, there probably was no legitimate decision for Christ that happened there. Because Paul says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Now, granted, Paul understands. Paul's going to tell us in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, uh, that he's the chief of sinners. All of us in this room know that the day you come to Christ, it doesn't mean you never sin again. But there's a pattern, there's a way of life in which Paul is getting at here. It says, the people who have truly tasted and treasured the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they, they like, they're pursuing a life that is dead to sin. They're pursuing with a greater intensity uh, being alive in Christ and dead to sin. And if there is no pivot point, there is no, uh, there is no turning point, there is no repentance point, then we can't just point back to a, desti- uh, 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 a decision made in the past if there's no fruit of actually falling more in love with Jesus and turning away of sin, being, being increasingly growing and dead to sin. We just got to love each other enough to say that. Keep reading. Do you not know? Here's where it's exciting. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Here it is, y'all. People who have believed in the gospel, people rejoicing in the gospel, understand that their old life has been dead and buried with Jesus, and they have been raised to a new life, that there is to be newness of life. Let me look at you, and let me love you, and let me ask, is there newness of life in your life? The moment you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, is, has there been newness of life? I'm not asking perfect. I'm asking pattern. As we say around here all the time, it's not perfectly, it's patternly. Do you see a pattern of newness of life, uh, an increasing abhorrence towards your sin, and an increasing desire for the Lord Jesus Christ and to live in righteousness? For if we, verse 5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a, in a what like his? In a resurrection like his. Let's talk about the hope of people who believe the gospel. The hope we have is a resurrection hope. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also what? We will also what? Live with him. Here's the deal. Just shoot you straight. I didn't have time to polish it up for you. Have you died to your sin? And are you alive in Christ? There it is. Are we dead to sin? And are we alive in Christ? And if you're like, I don't know, I don't know, or maybe, right? How, what, how do I know? You know the moment you put your faith in him. You know the moment you believe in him. And I'm telling us, some of us in the room today need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's you, in your seat, you tell him, Lord, I surrender today. 
I want to believe in you. I want to believe in this gospel. I want to rejoice in this gospel. I want it to change my life, and I want that resurrection hope that comes from believing it. And God, in his perfection and in his promise, delivers that to you the moment you believe. Amen? Now, here's a cool way we get to put an exclamation point on this today. Uh, Two people are going to be baptized before us here today because they have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. Listen, baptism is a big deal. Baptism is a big deal. Again, it's another thing in our culture that if you grew up in church and you've seen it through the years, it can lose its luster. It can lose like how big and awesome of a deal this is. When people get baptized, here's what they're saying. I have believed in Jesus to save me from my sin. I want to walk in newness of life, and I'm going public with my faith before all of the body of Christ so that you can hold me accountable to this and you can spur me on towards this. Baptism's a big deal. And that's why as a church, we celebrate it as a big deal. That's why if you've never been to a baptism service here at Redeemer, you're going to find when someone comes up out of this water, these, the people here are going to be on their feet and clapping and cheering in proportion to what they just witnessed. Like when we planted this church, I was so sick and tired of sitting through services where someone would get baptized and we'd be like, praise the Lord. Man, touching We celebrate this appropriate to the message that's being communicated to us. Right, church? And so, two people going public in their faith in Jesus Christ today. Hannah, you get to lead the way.